Blast Processors, uh, Tom here, direct from Denmark, uh, for what we hope will be a new regular feature on the site. Tom and Matt talk about video games. Ooh. And who's Matt, you may ask? Well, me. Uh, <laughs> Matt uh, Boyle is here. Hello. Now, uh, me and Matt will be hosting this uh, hopefully regular show where basically we're going to talk about video games, some of the, the latest releases, what we've been playing, uh, what we're looking forward to, what we can recommend, uh, general video game chit-chat. Yeah, yeah. Tips uh, and tricks. We might give you the call now record if you're very, very lucky. Ooh. And all this direct from Denmark. So think of us as your Danish correspondents. Yeah. Ooh, wonderful. So what we're going to talk today about... Matthew. Um, well, I guess we can talk about with what we've been playing recently. That's a, that's a good that's a good place to start. That's it's a that's a podcast favourite. To one. begin at the beginning, to mm. quote Dylan Thomas. Let's begin at the beginning. Let's let's first of all actually let's have a little bit of a background about what kind of video games you're into. If I ask you a few quick fire questions, then maybe the listeners can get a better idea of your uh, preferences. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. Fire away. Oh, exciting. Okay, firstly, Matt. Uh, shall we ask you what, what's sort of your favourite genres what, what kind of games do you like playing um, I very much like uh, JRPGs are probably my favourite uh, you know I, I like a bit of a JRPG a bit of grinding you're quite a collector as well as a JRPG yeah I'm a bit of a connoisseur of the JRPG if I'm being honest it's great that Blast Process has a, such a, a good bla- uh, JRPG uh, correspondent Really? Uh, That's good. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of RPG playing uh, going on. Uh, you may have seen Ash's uh, recent feature on uh, RPG uh, bosses. Yes, I did, actually. I saw the article on Nino Kuni on the website. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we do have uh, some rpg going on, but we're going to bring more of that to the fray with uh, Matt Boyle here, who is, a, who is a good knowledge of the subject. I do. I am very well-versed in the JRPG. Also, like, um, shooters, shoot maps. A bit of bullet hell, never hurt anyone. Yeah. Also a bit of first person shooter every now and again. Yeah. You know, pretty varied, but mainly JRPGs to be honest, because they been... involve so much time that I haven't really got time to play anything else. Yeah, you've been playing uh, Fire Emblem recently, a strategy kind of RPG. I have, yeah. It's my kind of my first soiree into the strategy RPG genre, to be honest. Um, dabbled in a bit of Final Fantasy Tactics back on the PS One, kind of liked it, but. Yeah, uh, there's a mini-game in Final Fantasy VII which involves tactical implementation and I remember being terrible at it as a child <laughs> so never really went into it after that. But no, um, yeah, playing Fire Emblem at the moment and loving it in preparation for Fire Emblem Awakenings coming out later this month on the 3DS which I'm very much looking forward to but currently playing the DS iteration of Shadow Dragon um, on the fourth chapter. Kind of hard, you know. Mm. The whole people dying and you not being able to revive them thing is pretty much headwork, yeah. Right there. Especially when you're as completist as I am and you're like, no, can't let them die. <laughs> I, I'm not as geeky as some people have made the game where the, the stats you get when you level up are randomly generated and I'm not one of these people that's just been resetting it because I don't get plus 10 damage or whatever. I've kept it that basic, but anytime someone dies, I'm like, ah! Yeah, but uh, JRPGs. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Back to and, the point. Yeah, uh, next question, I guess, would be, do you, this is something we always ask uh, interviewees on the Blast Process. The SNES or the Mega Drive, which was your favourite console? Oh, I feel I should lie because of the name of the podcast, but I can't. i got to be truthful to myself. Yeah. It's definitely the Super Nintendo for me. 
I didn't actually have a Mega Drive until I was about, I don't know, seven, eight, and then it was a hand-me-down of a mm. brother's friend. And I only really had uh, the Sega 61 game, I had Megalomania, and I had uh, Micro Sheen's 96, which is nice, you know? A I'm... classic, Micro Machines, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All agree out there. Um, I think this question is, is so relevant, I think, to most of the, the, the Black Process team and uh, the people we interview. Is everyone has a, a, a strong opinion about these two consoles. It seems to be the golden age of uh, gaming. Yeah, I think yeah. maybe a lot, of, a lot of interviewees have been around a, a similar age. Could... Possibly, yeah. I mean, You're just slightly younger than... Maybe some of the Blast Process crew. Yeah, so did a little you, bit. You had a, a SNES as, as a kid. I did, but um, my brother is actually nine years older than me. So to be honest, I ever since I can remember, I've grown up with video games. Mm. Um, I yeah, my brother had a NES, an Atari twenty six hundred, and a Commodore sixty four. And some of my earliest memories, weirdly enough, are playing Bubble Bobble, which is kind of cool at the same time kind of nerdy, kind of makes me the gaming retrobate I am today. But no, I just kind of always played them. I remember having, I think I had a Game Boy when I was like five or six. I remember wow. getting it for Christmas and just having Super Mario. So to... they, they caught you young then. The, they did, the video, yeah. The video games bug. Yeah. Fantastic. Right, great. Well, um, I think uh, we shall uh, crack on with the show now. And uh, we're actually going to... Uh, focus on a recent release, uh, and that's Tomb Raider. Yeah, Tomb Raider. Because um... it just happens that we've both been playing it, so that makes uh, was able to talk about it and have a little uh, conversation here about uh, what we th- what we think uh, about the game so far. And you've played a little bit more of it than I have. Oh, barely though. I think about half an hour slightly, more than you have. Slightly. I've, so I spend a, a lot of time poncing around, collecting GPS caches and that kind of thing, and shooting deer. So we're, we are talking about the latest Tomb Raider release, uh, not, not the uh, classic back on the PlayStation. Um, and, and this is kind of like a prequel to uh, the original adventure, is it not? Where yeah, it is. Well, it's, it's kind been... of a reboot, kind of a... Pre- is, yeah. Is connected I, to the original games? Too? I think there was talk from Crystal Dynamic that it was supposed to be the this is how Lara Croft became Lara Croft game, mm. but... At the same time, they've kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit and made it more of a reboot because she's, at the intro opening sequence, she's on a boat listening to an iPod. <laughs> and I was just like, didn't have those back in the 90s. Yeah, I think you have to overlook these little little things, but you're, you're right. Um, even by calling it Tomb Raider, instead of Tomb Raider, the beginning. Yeah, they're, they're kind true. of they, they want this series to appear more fresh than it than it has been. No, they want to shake it up a yeah. little bit. It's a, it's a good direction I think they've taken in. A, a younger Lara having her first experiences that, that make her the, the woman she uh, eventually became in the later Tomb Raider games. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So this experience we speak of is, is basically uh, getting stranded on an island. Pretty much, yeah. I think that's what it boils down to. There's no Lara Croft going, oh, I'm going to go find a tomb, shoot some wolves with double yeah. Uzis. Yeah, it's just you know He's, uh, getting... back to basics. Yeah, so to definitely. Speak. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, to give you a quick summary of the story, she's uh, on on a on a ship um, with with some some fellow archaeologists. Yes, um, it is a rather rogues gallery of generic games characters. There's the geek. There's the stone woman. There's the grizzled old veteran man slash mentor and. 
No, but the ship's the, captain. Oh, there's also the ship's captain, Scottish guy. Can't understand a word he's saying. <laughs> Sorry to the Scottish listeners. They're, they're, they're a motley crew. They are a motley crew, yeah. And interesting to see that kind of group dynamic in a Tomb Raider game, which is usually just about Lara. No, definitely. And I mean, the gameplay is, again, solely focused on Lara. Like, you run into them every now and again. But I, I, Tom's remarked in the past that they're actually nice characters, you know. They're very well-rounded. You believe in the character, which is kind of yeah, good. Yeah, from, for... from the off, really. Uh, at the beginning of the game, you, you're separated from the rest of the crew. Yeah. Um, and and uh, it makes for a, a great um, introduction sequence into the game. Uh, we don't want to give too too much away. Basically, there's some unsavoury characters on this island that there Lara are. winds up on, and uh, she's kidnapped and she has to escape. And uh, the game just throws you straight in. I think what you uh, notice from the off is how uh, smooth the controls are and how it it moves from gameplay to cutscene uh, effortlessly. And it does. I think it pushes both the 360 and the PS3. Uh, Tom and I are both playing it on different consoles not that it really matters but i just think you know it's pushing both machines to as mm. far as they can go in terms of Certainly. graphics i think we're seeing some fantastic games uh late on in these consoles lifespan which are really harnessing the power of these systems and tomb raider is one of the best looking games i've uh, seen recently definitely um my only yeah no actually i would say it's probably the best i've seen Bioshock Infinite's got some crazy good graphics. It's got a but... great art style about Infinite, hasn't it? It's, yeah. Uh, it's almost like a painting. Oh, definitely. But like this, this feels real, gritty. and yeah. that's nice because that's the essence of that's the game. That's what they're trying to get at. Yeah, yeah. Lara's covered in all sorts of crap, basically. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Blood, crawling sweat through and caves and yeah. trying to uh, escape at the beginning of the game. And uh, this whole section is very exciting. And there's even a few quick time events thrown uh, in there. But they um, never feel forced. They don't. And that's to its credit. I'm not really a big fan of quick time events. Because they're overused. Oh, definitely. You but, you know, like uh, we talked about this off mic. And in Resident Evil 6, there's a climbing bit later mm. on in the game where you have to use the shoulder buttons in tandem of pressing left trigger right trigger left trigger right trigger to climb up a building and i've watched tom play it and i just felt very forced it was frustrating yeah it, it would the controls were implemented very well uh, whereas with tomb raider oh tomb raider is fantastic you know you just you kind of hammer them and you mash right, them a little bit there is a section in the beginning of the game where you do the same thing as you did in resident evil you use your shoulder buttons to climb yeah. Basically. Uh, it just works a hell of a lot better. They've put an awful lot of time and effort into making these controls as smooth as possible. Um, and I, I remember what a good job they did with Tomb Raider Legend. How oh, yeah. nice that felt compared to the older mechanical Tomb no, Raider No, no, definitely. And I mean, obviously, there's influence of games like Uncharted and Assassin's Creed and even Batman. I think yeah. there's a lot of kind of influence of Batman Arkham Asylum. I kind of feel... Like yeah. that at points with it's, the open worldedness of it. Really fantastic. It's kind of freedom movement we can now experience with video games. And uh, say you mentioned Assassin's Creed, that's a perfect example of uh, the kind of thing you can e expect to experience from Tomb Raider if you haven't already tried it. it, it it's, it's very free and very loose, and uh, it, it's a joy to, uh, to, to control. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. An open world is completely the wrong term. I apologise. It's just. It kind of feels like that at points. There are very large areas for you to explore, and obviously it being a Tomb Raider game, there are lots of little collectibles and little things that enhance the story. Lots of, like, 
audiobook type deals where you pick up someone's diary and then it's read out mm. in quite decent voice acting actually. I was quite surprised yeah. by the quality of the voice That's acting. Good. Uh, but what it also does is for maybe the more casual gamers, it g- gives you a helping hand. Uh, like, uh, I think Dead Space is one of the first uh, games which implemented this. Being able to hold a button and to see where your next objective is. Yeah, yeah. It's not always on screen, but it, if you need that extra bit of a push in the right direction, you can do that. And it makes it very user-friendly, I found. Yeah, well, actually, to be honest, I can't remember if it was in the first one or not, but I'm a big fan of the Assassin's Creed franchise, but there's always been the Eagle Vision thing mm. in that, where you can okay. just click a button and kind of see, ah, oh, there's my objective. But in this, it's nice. It's kind of, it's called Explorer Vision, right? Something, <laughs> something really tacky like that. It's like Batman's detective vision. Yeah, it is, Arthur. but less cool. You can't see through walls. You don't see skeletons. No. You just see real life because it's gritty. Yeah, but um, you know, I mean, all in all, it's a very nice game. And I mean, as I've said, as I said earlier, the there's no you know, haha, I'm a badass lady with loads of guns. You know, there is a vulnerableness to Lara, yes. which is good. I mean, you know, it makes you think about your decisions. Certainly, certainly. Um, at the beginning of the game, you 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 very much. Uh... Try, just trying to survive on on the island, you you get this feeling like uh, you're in danger uh, as as Lara alone, and uh, uh, one of the first things you, you you need to feel like you need to do is arm yourself, and uh, you come across a bow and arrow rather than uh, the usual starting off with the pistols. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tomb Raider, this new game introduces a bow and arrow, which uh, again, uh, testament to the controls is a. Uh, it's a fantastic experience I to genuinely use. love it. And I mean, yeah. I know some of the games recently have tried to implement bow and arrows. Um, it's in Crisis 3, I believe. not played it, so I'm not sure how it compares. Again, uh, Assassin's Creed 3 as well. I yeah, think yeah. Um, but it kind of feels to me, from what I've played, um, kind of very similar to the talk bow in Gears of War in the fact that, you know, it's one button to hold and then to aim and then it's a pullback mechanism where the crosshair slowly goes in. Mm. But to be honest with you, I rarely use the pistol or mm. any other weapons I've got since no, I, I've got I them. haven't actually picked up any weapons yet. Ah, okay, you're just on the bow. But so that's, to be honest, I prefer it. You get it. them soon then. Yeah, yeah, you get them pretty much straight after. You just get curious. Bow. Yeah, sorry for <laughs> brief spoilers. We'll mark it at the front so by the time you get to this point, you won't know. But I've given a lot away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all right. It's... Yeah, but uh, we recommend that you, you you do give this game a shot because uh, so far so good basically. Oh, definitely, it's, uh, it's wowed me. It's uh, held my attention throughout, and I mean I'm a bit sad because when I put it down, I'm roughly thirty percent into the game, and I haven't really played it that long to be honest. Mm. I think I'm about two hours in and something. You and did I'm... say you haven't really received many achievements yet. Especially no, I not that achievement that tells you you've completed a section. Yeah, and that's how I, I think I ended up playing it so much and getting 30% in because we talked about this, that we were going to talk about it on the podcast. And I was like, okay, I'll get to where you are, Tom. And as you can tell, I've got a little bit further. Purely because I was waiting for an achievement to pop, to go, blah, blah, and then say, you know, climbed the mountain, killed the wolf. And that that didn't happen, which is kind of nice in a way that I'm just playing and not really having to worry about achievements. But at the same time, I'm just kind of like, well, where's my achievement? Isn't that, isn't it good that I just killed three people with one bow and arrow shot? 
Yeah. You find this uh, more, well, I do more and more in video games now. You, you want achievements. I've, I've just done something really quite impressive. Give me an achievement. I've kind of felt it for a long while, <laughs> to be honest. Like, I remember I, the only reason I haven't completed Kingdom Hearts 2 back on the PS2 is that it came out when I'd already got mm. the 360. And, yeah, I was kind of on a forum back in the day and there was a league table for achievements. So I was just playing Xbox games I didn't even really like. Uh, don't mention Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. Mm. Ugh. Just trying to get achievement points to go up this table. And like I didn't play games I would have genuinely liked and enjoyed as oh, a result dear, of it. It's a bad path. No, I, I, that was, uh, well, that was the start of the console's lifespan. That was, God, how many years ago now? Mm. Like seven? Yeah. And these achievements really come a long way since then. Uh, some of the early games handed out achievements to you oh, without like really yeah. much uh, effort required on your part. No. No. King Kong, Peter Jackson's King Kong is the, the classic example of Good this. Game, Just though, like, back in, I did enjoy that. It was all right. Yeah. I, a lot of people give it a lot Reminds of Reminds me of Tomb Raider, actually, winding up a, off a boat onto an island. Yeah, that's true, actually. It's kind of got... I don't know. I, I It kind of felt a bit like the first Medal of Honor. I don't know why. Like, even though it's a completely different setting and What's stuff, this, I guess uh, it's just... King Kong? Or yeah, Kong. King Kong. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know why, but... I, I like... Well, we've kind of uh, digressed King Kong, there, but have, I, I yeah. liked King Kong, how it was like a movie, because you didn't have the usual game things, like you didn't have any uh, hood and on-screen hood at all, did you, if, if, I, if I remember? I don't think so, no. I can't remember. That was a very, very long time ago. Oh, it was. It slept was, since yeah. then, but... I remember the rain being very impressive, and I'm going to bring it back to Tomb Raider on that one. <laughs> but yeah, it was just very cinematic, King Kong, and it's not really a game I've really seen since. Actually, yeah. you think it's kind of become quite obscure, but uh, <laughs> probably because way. it's worth nothing. <laughs> but yeah, no. Yeah, but Ubisoft did a good job with that. So they did, yeah. Um, but yeah, you mentioned rain, and uh, Tomb Raider throws it at you quite a lot. Uh, it does. You commented on that where you were playing it, I, I noticed. Yeah, um, there are a few bits where it kind of you're you kind of go into first person a few times during the opening twenty minutes of the game, and it kind of tries to set the atmosphere, which I kind of appreciate. But at the same time, it acts as if Lara's a camera yes, and then well, goes, ha-ha, look at me. Yep. Yeah, we're, be, we're making a film. We're making a I cinematic experience. I thought this about rain in yeah. video games, like through a character's eyes. Yeah. You know, the rain, this this kind of... It, it, yeah. It lands and gives, like, lens flare kind of effects, you know, like when you see in a film where, like, blood splatters on a camera and it's like, yeah, it's a film. out of it, like you're an onlooker rather than being inside. Oh, no, but it, it kind of takes me out of it on so much more than that because not only is it on the camera and then I'm just like, oh, I'm watching a film, but then it makes your mind process that extra step of... No, I'm not watching a film, I'm playing a game. And that kind of just Whoa. makes me go, Ugh. Now, the first time I remember Rain on the Camera, I think was uh, GTA. I don't know if it was Vice City. I kind or was of... it in the original GTA? Uh, <sighs> 3, GTA 3. I'm not too sure. I kind of remember, and I could be totally off base on this because it's just a Rain level I remember <laughs> from a game. And as I've said, my memory's not the best. Uh, in uh, Metal Gear Solid 2, actually. Oh, sure. Yeah, on the tanker level when you're playing the Maybe snake that and you're was sneaking it. around. That was probably yeah, but the beginning of the rain on the camera. 
Uh, but, Very you know, cinematic, so I can expect it from Metal Gear. Metal Gear's always kind of had that wink and a nod thing about it, where you kind of give it that little, oh, go on, he's he's trying something a bit crazy, is Kojima, you yeah. know? And it's become a big thing in video games. No, it definitely has, and I mean, it's understandable. I mean, these budgets they spend on games these days are comparable to Hollywood movies, and arguably you're getting a similar experience. And it kind of does what it sets out to do, as well as... It, make, it makes you feel like you're looking at it as an onlooker, but at the same time, it's also making you feel like you're more inside it because you, you can pretend that that's, you're in it more if you yeah, can yeah. see the rain. Like maybe, maybe if the character wore glasses, it would be more believable. Possibly, yeah. That's I, it. I think there needs to be a rain game where the main character wears glasses. Well, they could have just given Lara, you know, her tinted sunglasses from the previous games. Yeah. You know, the and then the rain would have worked, those, although I yeah. guess it would all be in some kind of a sepia tone. Yeah, yeah. Rose-tinted. Rose-tinted, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. But, you know... Heavy rain. How was the rain in Heavy Rain? Well, Heavy Rain rain did was Did you play quite... Heavy Rain? I did play Heavy Rain, yeah. <laughs> and talk about a game <laughs> pretending to be a film being not really a game, but being a game and still be very enjoyable. Yeah, the... I think it may have done it in Heavy Rain, too. I think we've got to check this out. Um, for any of you who are interested in the, the rain ramblings, uh, yeah. if you've got any uh, games which uh, make good use of rain on the camera, please do um, comment and let us know. Yeah, I mean, we can check it out. Maybe we, we can do, do a, a rain video. spectacular. We can do a video about that. Maybe. Rain montage. <laughs> Top 10 games with rain in. Can we put a bit of Rain Man in there as well? Rain. Just to spice it up. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Or a bit of Rain Man, either way. <laughs> If Dustin Hoffman voiced Rayman. anyway, we're going off. We're going off, oh man. It's okay. Draw it back in. Draw it back in. Well, we're really going anywhere. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it is the ramblings of mad people in Denmark. Not Tomb Raider, there. great. Yes, Check it out. Tomb Raider. Yes, uh, fantastic game. What else have you been playing apart from Fire Emblem? We've oh already God, um, a lot of games actually. Um, I tend to pick up a few portable titles at once and then start them and then see if there's anything I really like about it and then put them down again. Uh, Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, which is what I'm currently enveloped in, which is nice. I also started Etrian Odyssey, but for anyone who's played that, it's like an old school first person dungeon crawling game where you've not really got a story, mm. and it, it's it's so hard. Like Fire Emblem is difficult, but Fire Emblem is difficult because it really makes you pay for your decisions if you mess up. Etrian Odyssey is just so old school in the fact that you need to grind and you need to be amazing and it's very orientated on your stats because you can pick who you've got in your team and you can re-level them so you gain extra benefits and all this kind of thing it's very focused on the grind and essentially the story is you're a, an explorer and you there's a big labyrinth and no one's ever been able to get to the bottom and you want to make your name as an explorer slash adventurer and then you start a guild for new people because no one will take new adventurers because it's too dangerous and then you essentially just start creating characters and i've given my guild the very very mature name of scrotum <laughs> and so about the level whenever of, uh, humor on <laughs> yeah well whatever i actually start and go into a dungeon i kind of forget this because like i said i keep putting it down and picking it back up mm -hmm. and then i will hear the words ah scrotum not actually hear it but on the screen and i'll forget and i'll just be like what oh no yeah warriors I'm, of I'm scrotum 12. yeah warriors of scrotum <laughs> and yeah 
my initial That's a great name for a game, isn't it? Warriors of Scrooge. <laughs> I'd play that. I think I think you should. I think it'd be that might get though. me into RPGs if it was called Warriors of Scrotum. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But no, other than that, um, I just finished Bioshock Infinite, which I briefly touched upon earlier, which is a fantastic, fantastic game. Honestly, the first hour and a half of it feels a bit clunky and doesn't feel as amazing and awe-inspiring as the first Bioshock did for me, but the story on it is one of the best mm. stories I've ever experienced in a video game. Before this, what did you have a favourite story in a video game? Before Bioshock Infinite? Ooh, well, I, being a JRPG nerd, I really liked the story of Final Fantasy VI. Mm. Very enveloped in the story of Final Fantasy VII and the spin-offy things of that of Advent Children and Dirge of Cerberus. And Crisis uh, Core. Crisis Core, yeah. Mm. Fantastic, fantastic game. You, you highly recommend that? Oh, I do. Uh, I actually have a copy of Crisis You have Core. a copy of Crisis Core. You should play it. It's kind of an action RPG. You might. Yeah, I played the first It's very interesting, minutes. you know. It's uh, the... The battle system's based off a slot machine, so you're you know, you're doing your yeah. usual JRPG fare where you're running around and I can't remember if you have random encounters or if there's things on the map. I think there may be things on the map. I think they kind of did away with random encounters. And essentially while you're battling away, you have a slot machine rolling at the bottom of the screen. Mm. And every now and again, kind of in the same facet as Limit Breaks in Final Fantasy games, you will hit three characters in a row and they are characters that have advanced the story so far and then we'll come in and kind of do like a summon slash limit break it's pretty pretty nice mm-hmm. yeah yeah there were there are quite a few RPGs on the PSP if, if my knowledge serves me right there are quite a few um, I've not really delved into a lot of them to be honest just because I focused on DS ones I focused on my DS ones for the time being <laughs> until that collection's complete and I'll I'll start moving yeah. on to PSP, but you know, there's um, yeah, there's a lot of things. Uh, they released the Star Ocean games. There's a few the Tales Persona games. games. There's Persona. There's a lot of download. I always notice on the PlayStation Store, there's a, a load of uh, RPGs downloadable for the PSP. Ones that maybe didn't even get a retail release. I no, a lot be. of them didn't. And yeah. um, I'm just gonna bring up a subject that's completely irked me. Um, is that that's starting to maybe become a thing in Europe now. I actually looked at my 3DS yesterday and... Oh, I've forgotten the name of the game. I really Oof. wanted it. It's an Atlas title. Um, Code of Princess? <laughs> oh. It could be. <laughs> it's irritating me. Coded but... Princess? No, 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 no. no. Um, it's an Atlas title, it's an action RPG, and it kind of reminds me of uh, the Bleach title that used to be on the DS, in that you shift back and forth in the thing. And... Guardian Heroes? Yeah, kind of like Guardian Heroes, actually, a little bit. Yeah. But it's um, getting only an eShop release. Um, and you're not happy about it, so you'd rather have a physical no, copy. No, I'm one of these game. gamers who wants a physical copy. I mean, you know, it's all well and good, things being downloadable and kind of on... Yeah. The side of work, well, it does make the game cheaper, and that's cool, and obviously... (laughs) Yeah, sometimes. No, in all fairness, um, it's currently my... Because we are in Denmark, we are Danish correspondents, my Nintendo account on my 3DS is actually based in Denmark. You can change it, though, can you? Yeah, no, I've set it as Denmark because I wanted to use Danish card and stuff. Mm. 
But it's only 200 krona, which is about £20, I'm guessing it's going to be on the UK marketplace. And, you know, that's nice. because Yeah, you can. <laughs> we can tell you. We can put a little note <laughs> in the appendix of the podcast. Let's tell you what game is we're talking about. So. We can as well. Sorry about that. My mind's drawn a blank. But, no, it's... It's a very good point you raised, though. Um, I think it's, it's a nice... Work. Nice alternative to be able to download the game, but it's all it, an, an alternative. You, yeah, you want to I'm, have the option of buying the physical copy. I'm but I'm still, like that with CDs. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to own the album. I think there's something about having like uh, the lyrics in a little booklet and getting the CD case out and uh, sort of CDs out, maybe not a uh, vinyl. Reading uh, through the liner notes as you play the thing, and yeah. you know. Yeah, no. I mean, it's even nicer when you've got a massive uh, record, you know, we can really appreciate the artwork. Uh, Exactly, but it's just kind of irks me a little bit. Oh, because... instruction manuals. Oh, it's oh, oh. Such a la- new manual smell, Tom. What will happen to that one? You know, yeah, when but... you open a new thing, you crack open that factory seal, and then you just sniff new print. Yeah, if, at least you've got a few pages in that instruction manual that you yeah, used to do yeah. in the good old days. Now you just have a sheet of paper folded in two. Yeah, go in. The instruction manual's on the disc. Yeah, that <sighs> does frustrate me. It does a little bit, but I, you know. I thought about maybe doing a feature sometime on the site about that and some of the. Examples of the best instruction manuals. There are some fantastic instruction manuals. I remember manuals. stuff like for Zelda. Zelda had uh, nice instructions. It did, uh, I was actually... Uh, on the, and I'm talking about the uh, N64 ones, like Ocarina and Majora's Mask. I yeah, remember them yeah. quite fondly. Banjo-Kazooie's was all right. But they used to put so much effort into instruction manuals. They did, yeah. And it's a shame, you know. It's the uh, same as I guess it saves the planet a little bit. Yeah, but it, it's just annoying because if Nintendo hadn't region locked the 3DS, which is something they've never, ever done... With a hand I've always, always imported games. Like I remember importing Pokemon Red like months before it came out in the UK. And then, obviously, I bought a copy of Pokemon Blue when that came out because I had to catch them all. Um, but... Yeah, it's just annoying. It's really irritating because some of the best RPGs of the DS era, things like Radiant Historia and Shigmai Tensei games, they never got a power release. And the only way I can play them is because the DS is region-free. Same with actually the Phoenix Wright series. I don't know if they released them all in the end, but I have Ace Attorney as a PAL copy, but my I know my Justice for All is definitely American mm. because I'm not sure if it got a power release. I think yeah. it may have later in the DS's lifespan, but... I mean, it is very frustrating. There are some great games that didn't get a release on PAL. If I'm, if I'm correct, I think the second Trauma Center never got a PAL release. No, I don't think DS. it did. Uh, and I've heard that's a lot better than the first one. Yeah, and it's disheartening to think... Obviously, it's like a Persona 4 Arena, which we're still waiting for in PAL territories, and it's been out in the US for about a year now. And it's just, you know, on that kind of thing, region locking a PS3 game is never fun, and obviously I know video games developers need to make money, etc. But when you're not going to release something in a country, and it's such a niche gaming genre as a JRPG or a beat-em-up, you know, you should be going, oh, well, if it doesn't get released, here you go, you can get it. Not trying to restrict people. But, you know, if it is cheaper to release than through downloadable content, then I guess it's kind of nice because it will encourage people to bring these games to Europe. It's just I'd rather have the option of a physical copy. Maybe even just, you know, like they do with CDs these days. Download album and then limited edition one with like a nice art book or something. Oh. Pay a premium price for it. That's my yeah. solution. It's a good call, man. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I like it. I try. Maybe it's our petition. I'll take a stand. 
Um, but yeah, I think that's all I'm playing. Um, that's a good amount of things you've got. On yeah. The go. Yeah. Yeah. Also, completed Nino Kuni, which I liked as well. Oh but yeah, are you, I mentioned uh, the Ouija's Mansion. Oh yes, I have. I, I I say I've started playing it. I literally turned it on and did the first mission thing. Um, you know, it's a nice game. Um, I quite enjoyed it. I, kind of little. It didn't grab me as much as I was hoping it would. I played the GameCube one, and it was one of the only games I had on launch, and as long as well as Sonic Adventures Two. And it just blew me away. Like, I just thought it was such a nice idea. And obviously, we were lacking a decent Ghostbusters game. And, you know, being able to go, Mario, instead of jumping was a really nice touch. Such a unique concept and a, yeah, perfect yeah. Uh, showcase for Luigi. Oh, definitely. Well. And I mean, it was a visually stunning game. Like, mm. it was one of the, I still think it's one of the best looking games on the GameCube. I, oh, yeah, I just really liked it. Just a really nice atmosphere. And, like, they've got a, a few hallmarks of the old one in it, you know, like you get your vacuum cleaner, the polter, poltergust? Poltergust, yeah, that could be. 3000, right. and instead of your Game Boy Horror, you've now got a DS, which the professor reminds you, oh, it's because it stands for dual screen. Who's <laughs> clever that professor? Yeah, um, bless him. But no, it's, it's okay. Uh, some of the best 3D I've seen on the 3DS, mm. though, without a shadow of a doubt, it, there is a real sense of depth in the room. It's almost as if you're looking into a box with the 3DS, mm. which did give me motion sickness because I was on a bus. But yeah, I, I get the same when I'm on the trans, you know, traveling. Yeah, yeah but it's it's fantastic. Like I, I'm hoping it'll get more into it. And there's there's just this little niggly thing that I think if it was on the Wii U or even the Wii. Uh, that I would probably enjoy it more. I don't know why. I... The fact that it's on a handheld is kind of... Yeah, it's it just back. kind of got that handheld thing where some of the rendered environments on the map and stuff just look a bit cheap as if they've been a bit thrown together. But I guess that's because of the scale and the loading and whatnot. Mm. But it's interesting you should mention the uh, 3D on there because uh, if... if uh, I, I, I'm led to believe that the original uh, Louise Mansion was thought about in 3D. Really? Yeah. For the GameCube? For the GameCube, yeah. I, I think Nintendo have been toying with the idea of a 3, 3D in a, in a console for some time, and that was uh, something I think they wanted to do in 3D, but because the technology wasn't available to them at the GameCube time, yeah, they, that, they, they, they didn't. They didn't want another virtual, virtual Boy. No, no, you wouldn't want another one then. No. So, uh, yeah, they, probably now they've got the opportunity, they, they've just gone for it and, and created the game that... Maybe they originally wanted to create back then. Yeah, well, hopefully it pays off. Like I said, I've, I've literally, I think I've played it all of 15 minutes, if that. Mm. So it's not um, really enough time to no, get a No, no, definitely of... not. I can't really judge it on that. But, you maybe, know, I'm hoping... Yeah, maybe, maybe next time we can have a recap and... Uh, yeah, maybe by next time I'll have dived into it a little bit more and I'll be able to tell you what I think of it. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, but what about you, Tom? I, I feel like I've been oh, yammering on for most of this podcast. What have you been You know playing? me, I, I dip in and out of things. Uh, long-time podcast listeners will uh, know that I'm playing a new game every week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Much. Uh, but yeah, dipping out of uh, a few handheld titles, always a bit of Mario Kart is uh, always enjoyable. I've had a it's few... Uh, a yeah. bit of travelling just lately, so using the 3DS uh, a fair bit. Dead Live Dimensions has been in there most of the time. Enjoying uh, the story modes on that, surprisingly enough, for a handheld game. They uh, develop the stories in the Dead Live games uh, 
quite well in a way that the console ones never have. They fill in the gaps. I was about to say, you know, story mode in a dead or alive, okay. Yeah, it's nice because uh, basically what you've got in Dead or Alive Dimensions is you've got um, a chronicle mode and in that chronicle mode it's split up into five sections. Right. The first four of them Oh, I think it's four, actually four sections. The, the, the first one is based on Dead Alive 2, second Dead Alive 3, third Dead Alive 4. And oh, you, right, okay. You, yeah, then you have uh, an ending, which is Helena's story. Okay. Uh, so it all kind of ties together all the loose ends, and all oh, that was happening then. All the, and they integrate characters which weren't originally in, say, Dead Alive 2. There, yeah. Characters like Lisa, who appeared in 4, you know, she's brought in earlier. Ah, and, okay, I was about to say, but does that make it feel forced at all, does it? No, it doesn't, strangely enough. It all kind of fits together, and it's quite nice to ha- have it all on one game. One could story. argue that maybe having no visible story to the casual dead or alive player may be that well, reason of just them going okay well we need to make it make sense the family drama of the uh, ninjas you know you've uh, got kasumi and a sister Aie, and uh, their brother hyate or excuse me if my japanese pronunciations aren't right um, sorry to our japanese listeners <laughs> and uh, yeah they've always had an interesting relationship uh Aie's always been a little jealous of kasumi you know yeah, yeah, and uh, that that's played upon, and, and yeah, it, it's it's quite interesting actually to get a little bit more of an insight into the world of Dead or Alive. It's well, not just pretty ladies. There's a there's a story in there somewhere as well. Yeah, of course, there's a story. I mean, Zach's got an I love when they play volleyball, <laughs> right? What else is there to get? I never played that volleyball game on the PSP. I kind of steer clear of that. There's a volleyball game on the PSP. Yeah, there is. Yeah, really. Yeah. Okay, is that like a spin-off of Extreme Beach Volleyball? Or I is think it... so. It's got the obligatory photograph mode on it, I think. Yeah. You know, which is, e- even yeah. on the uh, 3DS game, you can collect statues and photograph them for different angles. I've never quite seen the interest in that myself. But Dead Alive is a great fighting game. It always remain like that. And I've been enjoying having a portable version of it because it's a game I enjoy playing a lot and to be able to play it on the go, great. Long overdue, I think. The, the PSP would have been a good format for a yeah. Dead or Alive. I yeah, was surprised yeah. that never happened. Or even the Vita. I mean, uh, there are like fives out now. And it I, is, I yes. do want to get a hold of that. Cross-platform as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Which is a nice way, I think. Games tend to be going that way on the PSP. You know, you've got uh, All-Stars and uh, Sly Raccoon. Uh, I think most of Sony's own releases recently mm, have been good, cross-platform. Yeah. Kind of doesn't reciprocate, though, because I want to buy a copy for my Vita because, again, I'm kind of a bit meh about downloadable content and downloading these games well I say that I signed up to PlayStation Plus so I could get a free copy of Uncharted and Wipeout some nice freebies yeah yeah but you know I kind of I wish it was reciprocated more in the fact that I want to be able to buy a Vita version of it and then get a PlayStation 3 Mm. version download because I mean my PlayStation 3 has got a bigger hard drive hmm true yeah but there you go I guess it's Maybe a sign of lack of faith in the Vita from Sony. They yeah. don't. They think maybe the Vita title will be discounted before the PlayStation Three. I don't know. Well, I think I think the it'd be interesting to see what happens with the Vita and the, the, the eventually the PS Four in in the future. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Sony are talking about making it an integral part of the PS Four, so hopefully that'll mm. pull it out of the slump that most people seem to put it in. But I mean, even like the PSP. 
I remember getting a PSP quite early in its lifestyle. Lifestyle? Yeah. It involved my it's lifestyle. It's a lifestyle yeah, choice. Yeah, it a is PSP. a lifestyle <laughs> choice. Yeah, it's Why have a DS when you can have a PSP? Oh, Watch movies on it. Oh, yeah, boy. <laughs> As we all know, and as David Lynch has told us, we can really watch films <laughs> oh, on, yeah. a, on a portable device. Um, but no, I just kind of, I got it early on from a friend who had quite a few games for it, and I got it quite a reasonable price, because it. I remember even like when it got its power release, everyone was like, oh, it's a dead format, it's a dead platform, and kind of the naysaying that's kind of going on with the Wii U mm. at the moment... Of course, the PSP had a few more games than the Wii U's got at the moment, but we shan't get into that. I'm a big supporter of the PSP. It was um, my primary console handle gaming for, for quite some time. Of course, I, I played Pokemon on the DS, but uh, the PSP was where I did most of my uh, gaming while travelling. I think it was a fantastic console, and I think it should be regarded as a, a, a real breakthrough no definitely gaming. i mean it p- definitely pushed graphics in a handheld console it's oh it's the best a looking lovely screen games. yeah yeah uh it's it's especially slim and light was a really nice console because obviously the weight of it was just yeah it's just really ergonomically well designed Ooh, but psp yeah i even like umd i'll be honest i probably won't I'd probably be the only one there. You miss that noise of a UMD loading. No, I don't. But I miss <laughs> I miss having films. I I particularly miss being able to buy films off Amazon a lot cheaper than mm. their DVD counterpart. But that's just me being a cheapskate, I guess. Yeah. Um, so Dead or Alive Dimensions, yeah. you recommend it? Out of five. Oh, you put me on the spot. Now. Out oh. of five, if you want a portable version of Dead or Alive, I don't think they're ever going to do any better than this. I haven't played Dead or Alive 5 on the PS Vita, but uh, if this is a nice uh, collection of what's gone before. Uh, it plays really well. Lots of options. Not like the uh, PSP version of Soul Calibur where you didn't even really have an arcade mode. Could be worse, though. It could be like the Wii version me. of Soul Calibur, which was just slashy, slashy, right? It was like oh, you mean Soul Calibur Legends? Yes. Yeah, I didn't play so much of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I recommend it. I, I, I'd be tempted... Four and a half. Four and a half? Oh, that's a pretty solid... I can't, I can't think what I'd want more out of it, to be honest. Photo mode? Photo mode? No, no, I can take that or leave that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, four and a half pushing five. I mean, if you like fighting games... So in your it's, idea, it's the... this is as perfect as a handheld dead or alive could be almost... I, I certainly think so. That's, that's high praise. Isn't yeah, it? it's definitely high praise. Uh, I know it's a slightly older game, <laughs> but if you see it about, I, I recommend, and you like fighting games, I recommend picking that one up. Um, in regards to other games we've been playing, it's really just casual dipping in and out of stuff. Uh, You've been playing a bit of Gradius Five. Yes, yeah, actually, I picked that up recently on the PS2. A game I've been after for some time. Uh, really enjoyable. I've not had a lot of time to kind of uh, get into it. Uh, but yeah, uh, great game. Made by Treasure, of course. I was fearful it was going to be a little bit too difficult at first. I played Ikaruga, and I know that's... Uh, yeah, you need some patience with that. It's uh, a tough game. Uh, Gradius is a little bit more uh, friendly. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I showed you I was playing Akai Katana. And again, yeah. apologies for my Japanese pronunciation. Much like Tom's, it leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> And, you know, I... Probably better in our Danish pronunciation. (laughs) (laughs) No. I I showed Tom... uh, I was playing Akai Katana. um, Just showing him a bit of bullet hell. And I quite like my cave shooters. Purely because the only ones that have been released on the Xbox 360. 
well, not on the marketplace anyways. Um, yeah, I, it looks nice I, yeah. from what I've seen of Gradius 5. I've not seen you play it yet, but hopefully oh, you will. Oh, that's because the PlayStation wouldn't read it, eh? No, no, and then car boot sales, <laughs> save the day. Anyone else have that problem with the PlayStation? At a certain point, we won't play uh, discs, blue back discs. Really frustrating. Yeah, but I know we'll, why we'll mine. I know why mine at home won't play blue back discs because about um, two months into me owning it, I took it down the shed so we could watch DVDs, and I I believe it may have been Meet the Parents or Meet the Fockers or some terrible film that, by consensus of fifteen year old boys, we decided we were going to rent and watch, and my shed had a concrete floor. And someone opened the door, pulled the cable, oh, PlayStation 2, plummeted. face down. On a brighter note, it did help me later when a swap disc came out because it had already broken the front of my PlayStation 2's uh, draw the CD tray off so I could use the swap disc thing quite easy. Because they're, they're a pain in, in the arse. Yeah, but like, usually, in all fairness to the PS2, Smacked face down on the floor with a disc it in still it. Worked. Didn't break the disc. Saw smoke bellow out of the back of it, and it is still to this day working. Wow, that's a heck of a lot better than the the Dreamcast. The amount of Dreamcast I've gone through. Yeah. You know the old trick with the Dreamcast was uh, these connectors, metal connectors in the console, came away from what they should be connecting to, and this was to do with the power. Is that a bit like um, in the NES with the cartridge thing and the? The prongs that would touch the cartridge wrecked, or was it just? Uh, yeah, it was. It was to do with the power. It was inside it, and you could oh, actually right, okay. uh, take a. I found this out online. You could take the Dreamcast apart, bend the wires back. Yeah. Bend, bend the metal, sorry, back, and it would it would work again. But I, I didn't know that first. I went through a few Dreamcasts. What happens if I, you the bend the metal together and you cross the streams? Oh, well. Uh, the ghost of Sega past appears and speaks of the glory days and yeah. Those were a few years ago. <laughs> Mega Drive boy. I I I love the Dreamcast, great console. Just uh, yeah, not the most uh, substantial. Of no, machines. no, um, unfortunately, one I never actually owned to this day. I've still not really delved into a Dreamcast. Nice memories of renting one from a local video shop, paying a fiver to rent a Dreamcast with. Uh, Sega Bass Fishing with the, the rod. Oh, with the rod. Um, House of the Dead with two light guns. And I want to say Sonic Adventures 1. And you could play the fishing game in that. I don't oh, know if you use God. the rod. Don't get me started on the, the fishing segment of Sonic Adventure. I can't even... What, what, what was the thinking of that? Taking a perfectly fine game and sticking a fishing mini game in it. And one you have to actually complete to be able to complete the game. I think uh, someone played a link, uh, Ocarina of Time. I need to send a link to the Bad poster. choice, Sega, bad choice. And on that note... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we've song, rambled on enough. I've converted Song <laughs> to Nintendo. Tom, Mega Drive or Super Nintendo? Mega Drive, sorry. Oh, sorry, man. One day, one day. <laughs> I, mean, I was a Sega kid and I still am, I think. Fair enough. Mm. Yeah, in closing, what are your expectations for this week in gaming? This week in gaming? What's yeah. coming out? Anything big? I don't know. I'm <laughs> no, just either. talking about what are you going to play? What am I going to play? You... More Dead or Alive? <laughs> more Dead or Alive, fair enough. I may slog through a bit more of Tomb Raider. Yeah, me, me too. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be back on that Tomb Raider. Yeah, yeah. Raiding those tombs. Raiding those tombs. Getting cool. a bit more mucky. Yeah, Getting yeah. rained on a little bit more. Well, my shirt's actually Putting black some now. I've played that much into the game <laughs> that who. Her shirt has gone goth, and she's just wearing a black shirt. Mm. I I said um, 
to one of our flatmates who shall remain nameless, Claire. <laughs> and I said, has she actually changed her top? Because she suddenly went from wearing like a, a classic Lara Crofty green at the start and then she was suddenly black. And it was a bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. Quick call. So did change. Al, Lara. Impromptu. Yeah. Next time. She's change. a diva, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, all left me to say, I think. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed what's come out of our mouths. Well, Hopefully we've not podcast. prattled on too much. <laughs> if you'd like to hear more, let us know. But uh, we will be back regardless. Uh, we will. 24-7. <laughs> Can you hear us pumping on your stereo? Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you very much. Until next time, cheerio. See ya. Happy gaming. Happy gaming. Bye. Bye.